everybody, welcome to the Catholic Influencers Podcast, a conversation to help Catholic influencers like you and me to go deeper and further in influencing our world for Jesus. I'm your host, Father Rob Gallia. And I'm your co-host, Danny Sullivan. And we look forward today to talking to you about the church and gay people. Danny, how was your weekend? It was the best. I had a girls weekend in Melbourne with some of my best friends because one of them is about to move over to Mission in Uganda. So we just hung out and ate ice cream and watched lots of chick flicks. It was the best. I can't imagine anything worse. Like during- <laughs> I, your weekend was probably very similar. <laughs> well, my, yeah, no, my weekend, except I didn't watch chick flicks. I did watch a National Geographic program after. Oh. Um, yesterday I had a, a, a cheat night where I ate a pizza. Ooh. I never eat pizza or I never... Uh, I try not to eat pizza. Your life sounds so sad. <laughs> well, I try to watch my diet. But I had a weekend in the parish. We're moving offices as well. Um, and so I've been carrying boxes all weekend as well. Um, but I look for, I love being in the parish. So I very rarely get to do it. Um, so today we're going to talk about a, um, a sort of a, quite a controversial thing. Maybe not so much controversial, but a much needed topic in the church where we talk about the church and gay people. You see, um, we titled this The Church and Gay People, but I want to start off, first of all, by disagreeing with that title. Um, you see, because it's not about them and us, the church, us, and the gay people, them. But the church is the people of God, and that includes all people. You know, it includes men and women, black and white, sinners, saints, straight, gay people. We are all part of the church, and the church is incomplete if we're not in it. I think we had a really similar discussion last week, Father Rob, where you had sent me the notes for the podcast about women and the church, and it was titled Women and the Church. And I was like, I don't think we should call it that because it's not separate. It's all the same. Mm. And then eventually um, you got onto my side so thanks for that so then when I saw your email this week I was like he's done it again (laughs) so last week we titled it women in the church not and the church because the church is incomplete without everyone so that's why like it was a big debate and then I saw your notes this week I was like oh my gosh (laughs) like not again again. (laughs) that's an old song you remember that Britney Spears but anyway Britney Spears is my fave So we all, look, we, we all have friends and family members who, mm. who are gay or bisexual. And I too have a lot of people I love um, who are, are gay. And just want to make it clear that it is, that it is not a sin to be attracted to, the, to people of the same sex. And so sometimes, first, let's start off by understanding that God loves us. God welcomes us, no matter what our sexual orientation is. And the church loves and welcomes you and is, as I said is incomplete without you and we as a church i believe i believe that we need to make an apology and even pope pope francis himself said we need to make an apology for the times we have we have rejected and did not did not defend you you see we as a church have the responsibility to reach out to defend to protect all people and lead them to jesus i completely agree with that father robin for some reason there is this 
I don't know, maybe like a bit of a perception within the church that some sins are unforgivable. Um, And particularly I find like sexual sins are more unforgivable than others. Um, Obviously that's not true. And, you know, the church is so quick to show mercy to someone who is coming back and wants to be embraced by God's love. But we're less quick to show that exact same type of mercy to a gay person struggling with sexual sin. This needs to change. We need to embrace everyone because the church is incomplete without all of its members. And as members, we are all equally striving for holiness we're all equally embracing that mercy to become saints and yeah and and part of that is because the church really doesn't know how to to dialogue doesn't know how to dialogue with people with same-sex attraction and i think that's one thing that we really really need to learn i I just want to start off with this look uh, to understand that when god looks at at you and me um you you see though though he he when he looks at us he acknowledges all that we are. We are not defined as human beings by our thoughts. We're not defined by our attractions, but we are defined by the very fact that we are the children of God. And God knows every thought. He knows every feeling. And he considers, he cares about the fact that we are attracted to this person or that person, that we're, we have these desires and, and those desires. In fact, it's in, in, in the book of Psalms. Maybe, Danny, you can read for us Psalm 139 and which verses are those? Uh, 1 to 6, Psalm 139, 1 to 6. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. And that's amazing, you see, and that shows in the scripture that God knows every thought and he knows every word, but he doesn't define us by our thoughts, okay? And nor should the church define anyone by their thoughts or even by the things they do. At the end of the day, the church is there to bring us to holiness, to bring us to Jesus, but God defines us by the fact that we are his beloved with uh, with a great call, with a great vocation over our, our lives, And this great vocation is for each of us to live according to his plan and to his purpose, to turn away, to turn away from sin and to believe in the gospel, the charismatic message, and to walk ultimately in relationship with him. And God does not discriminate by our thoughts, even our sinfulness, even though he calls us like we had in the gospel this Mm -hmm. Sunday, he stood by this adulterous woman. He stood by by her while everyone condemned her. He loved her. And he called her to holiness. He called her into relationship with her. I think that reminds me of like probably something I read on Instagram. I don't know. Where it's like Jesus loves you so much that however you are, like come to Jesus. But he loves you too much for you to stay that way. And, you know, even in the gospel, you know, turn away from sin, you know, never sin again. And that's all he wants. Like he just wants, he loves us so much that he wants us to come to him. But he loves us too much to let us live in that sin, no matter what it is. Exactly. And and again, um, to go back to our, one of our first points is that the sin is not that today you are attracted or a person is attracted to the, to um, someone else. But uh, each and everyone, whether you're, you're gay or you're straight, we're all called to purity. We're all mm. called to holiness. We're all called to love Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our mind. But the problem is sometimes that we uh, uh, tend to be less mercy, less merciful towards the gay community because we often don't know 
how to, to open the door. And the reality is that we all fail. But the church, that's what the purpose of the church is as well, is to, to get, bring us back to each time we fall. I love the analogy of the bride. You see, St. Paul talks about that the church is the bride and that um, Jesus is the groom. And the bride is walking up the aisle. But somehow, because of and this is the analogy of sinfulness, is that as we're looking at our groom, sometimes we get distracted. I did a wedding last um, this weekend. Actually, that's one of the things I did this weekend. This bride didn't do that. But just imagine a bride walking up the aisle and just flirting with the people, you know, on the side as they're going and they're getting distracted. And they forget sometimes that the groom is right there in front of them. But this is our call to remember. The church is there to remind us, hey, guys, stay focused remember that this this is about the groom i had never heard that analogy before i really like that (laughs) but i'm a little bit concerned that a national geographic documentary you remembered that when i asked you how your weekend was but not the wedding (laughs) yes well Well, uh, that's what something i did to relax so even though yeah Yeah, as i I said yeah i love that analogy though like just you know and like that church kind of being the aisle i guess like it keeps you on that path so that you can reach the groom exactly And so this is our call to remain focused, to keep our eyes on Jesus. And so each, as I said, each and every one of us are called to purity. We're all sinners. But if the church closes its door to the gay community, what chance, what chance do they have to to remain focused on the groom? You know, there's no way. And so this is the thing that we as a church need to learn to open our doors. Um, And I must admit that that we are at a loss when it comes to opening our doors. And dialoguing with the LGBTQI community, we just don't we just don't know how how to do that yeah and i think as a church we need to figure out how to do this like how to love them and how to walk with them you know as humans as they are just seeing their heart not seeing them for who they're attracted to but working out how to walk with them towards holiness Mm. and help them recognize that we are all authentically called to love and serve jesus and we need to help carry them to jesus especially if they don't feel welcome we need to make them feel welcome but we need to work out as a church how how to do this exactly and i just um, the thought that comes to my mind is the pain can you imagine I, I don't know but can you imagine the pain that people who are gay and feel rejected by the church they love and this is so horrible I, I, it just pains me and i see so many and meet so many people who are broken who are hurt who even though we say they are welcome and we open our parishes but we don't know how to pastor them we don't know how to nurture them especially um where where i see I mean, I, I, I've been to certain parishes in the United States in particular where they have an amazing ministry reaching out to, to the gay community. But I think that many parishes and many churches have a lot to learn when it comes to that. In fact, when I was in L.A., I got to have um, a conversation with a priest who spends a lot of his life trying to listen and trying to learn from people with same-sex attraction. So we sat down, um, myself and Father James Martin, to talk about ways in which us as, as the church can reach out to the gay community. So I'm here in 
um, California um, at this beautiful conference. Uh, we have, uh, I think, about 35,000 people um, and some incredible speakers from all around the world. And the person sitting next to me right here right now is Father James Martin. Father James Martin is a New York bestseller, also has written some incredible books and controversial books too. Um, is um, sitting here with me, also one of the speakers at here here in LA Congress. So it's so wonderful and such a privilege to to have you here, Father James. Thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. Yeah, so um, I thought we'll have a little bit of a conversation about involving people, involving particularly the gay community, involving people who are sometimes left out and considered hated. Not, not we consider them hated, but they as a community, as individuals, are considered outcasts within the church. And so I'll start with a scripture verse. I think it's Acts 1 verse 8, and it says that you'll be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, but which doesn't necessarily mean um, geographical ends of the earth, but also to reaching to the outcasts, reaching to people um, that need to hear the gospel. So how do you feel as a church we have um, in, in the 21 first century achieve this goal to reach the ends of the earth? Well, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, you know, Pope Francis, uh, who's a Jesuit like myself, has asked Jesuits to go to the peripheries, to the margins, and that really is to the ends of the earth, as you say, where people feel excluded. And when it comes to the LGBT community, that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, uh, the church so far has not done a great job. It's getting better, though, uh, I think, as more and more people are open about their sexual identity, and it you know influences families and fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, uh, uh, those concerns are getting brought into parishes and schools and communities. And so I think the church is being uh, invited to listen to these people. And I think the church is actually doing a better job these days, even than it did 10 years ago. How do you feel? Like, well, let's start from the perspective of a, a, a gay person. So they, they have these sexual tendencies and they feel maybe they're actually practicing their faith. But they start to feel, uh, even this week, I had someone come up to me and say, listen, I uh, I'm very involved in my parish, and I'm, but I'm realizing that I'm gay and I don't want to tell anyone. I'm afraid to speak out. Um, but the thing is, if they actually do tell someone, the church doesn't know how to respond. So how do we open our doors? How do we open our hearts? How do we uh, make people like this able to be true to themselves but also keep them involved um, in in parish life, in in, in ch- their home remain the Catholic Church. Well, I think um, that's a really good question, and and the way we do it is the way that Jesus did it with people on the margins. And when we look in the Gospels, we see over and over again Jesus going out to someone like the Roman centurion, the woman at the well, a lepers, people who were sick, people who were really considered on the margins and who themselves felt excluded, and reached out to them. And how did he do it? Uh, with love, uh, by encountering them, by listening to them, and by letting them tell their stories. And so the first thing we have to do is listen to the experience of LGBT people. And, and the second thing we need to do is remind them that God loves them. They don't hear that a whole lot in the church. And remind them that the church is their home, as you were saying. Um, you know, I met a young gay man a couple of months ago, and he said that one of the most helpful things that anyone has said to him uh, came from uh, an older priest who he knew, and he repeated it, and I use it with a lot of LGBT LGBT people, which is that God loves you and your church is learning to love you. And I think that's where we are right now. That's very honest. And and the third thing is to remind people that this is their home. You know, that I often say in talks or one-on-one that... Um, 
you know, you are a baptized Catholic and you are as much a part of the church as Pope Francis, your local bishop, your pastor, or anybody else. And so that this is your home and you should feel at home, uh, you know, here, even though some people may want to sort of exclude you. Yeah, and but in, let's talk about, for example, um, in first of all, I, I would say that one of the misconceptions we have is that when someone realizes that they're gay, it does not mean that they're sinning. It does not mean that they they're out, and it doesn't mean that they're an outcast, and that they are still loved by the church. And one thing I did hear is that the church is incomplete without. The gay community. I'm not sure if you actually wrote that in your book. Yeah, I think I did. Um, I, you know that that the body of Christ is really being torn apart, right? I mean, yeah. you know, at the Eucharist, we 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 crack and we split open and we break the body of Christ. You know, if it's it's bread broken and and given out. But to tear apart the body of Christ in that way and to exclude people is to really make the body of Christ incomplete. And, you know, simply in a kind of um, canonical sense, these people are baptized and they have as much right to be in the church as anybody else. Now, a lot of people say, oh, well, they're they're acting against the church. Well, you know, we have a lot of people in the church that don't conform to certain church teachings and we don't, you know, label them as sinners and cast them out. And, and it's the, the reason is that we, we understand these people and their complexity. So, for example, divorced people or people who use birth control or people who use in vitro fertilization, you know, all these sorts of topics that people struggle with. And these people are not cast out into outer darkness. It's the LGBT person who I think is really excluded and kind of targeted, unfortunately. Yeah. But also, for example, when someone is divorced, um, uh, uh, yes, we we don't cast them out, but uh, maybe there's that quiet hope and assumption that they're living a holy life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but also people who are um, gay, and how, how do we bring, reconcile, sort of encourage celibacy in a sense? I know this is a difficult question because, especially, but if they are involved and they want to live and they're ready to live a celibate life, how do we encourage them to do that? And how? How does that work? <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin a conversation like this. Well, but yeah, I mean, I think you would, given that you're celibate and I'm chaste. I take a vow of chastity. I think the, um, you know, the invitation is for all of us to live a chaste life. And for those, you know, LGBT people who are conforming to church teaching, it's it's talking to them about having friendships that are really deep and meaningful, uh, uh, you know, trying to be generous with their community and, and the same kinds of things that would happen in, a, in the priest or in religious life. I, I think, though, more fundamentally, though, because usually that's all they have sort of um, – you know, uh, said to them, it's it's usually chastity, 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 which is important. But you know, over and beyond that, there are things that have very little to do with their sexual lives. So you know that that God loves you, that you're that you're part of the church, that that Jesus uh, is your savior, that the gospels are open to you. You know, the sort of riches of prayer and the sacraments. And I think, unfortunately, with um, LGBT people, the church has focused so much on sex. That it almost excludes everything else. I mean, I always say to people, imagine, you know, having a conference on married life and only talking about sex, you know, without all the other things that happen in a married life, you know, with, uh, you know, finances and friendship and owning houses and those kinds of things. And yet with the LGBT person, we tend to focus so much on sex that I think they feel that their whole lives are about their sexuality. So it's not only the chastity, but it's kind of uh, sort of broadening their understanding of church teaching to encompass their whole lives. Hmm. 
And this is also like I, I love the title of your book, Building a Bridge, because when we build a bridge, you can't build it from one side to the other. You have to build on both sides. And so it's um, one, the church learning to communicate with the, with the gay community, but it's also the, the gay community building a bridge on their side. But it needs, as you said, to start with conversation. Now, if we go down to a micro level, for example, a Catholic school or a single parish, I am I'm a, an associate pastor or I'm a pastor in a, in a parish, how can I begin this conversation? That's a great question. I think by listening. I think by, by talking to the kids who are gay or lesbian in your school and asking them, you know, what's it like being a gay boy? You know, what's it like being a girl attracted to other girls? I mean, here's a real leading edge question. You know, what's it like being a transgender person, you know, transgender uh, adolescent, you know, which is very difficult and very conflicted even for the parents. You know, what's your experience of God like? What has the church been like for you? Who is Jesus for you? And and what do you need? You know, because I think a lot of times the church almost, uh, you know, in in a, in a good way, it, it tries to almost impose, I think, unintentionally its, its understanding of what these, these kids need. When really what they need is to be listened to and to, to have their experiences, I think, sort of valued and reverenced. And, you know, a lot of these kids, um, they will have never heard the term gay or lesbian in any sort of positive way, you know, or even in any sort of neutral way. And so to say to these kids, you're welcome, I think, is a big step mm. forward. Yeah, so I think it's, uh, it takes a lot of guts. It takes a lot of courage for um, a school. It takes a lot of courage for a a parish to, to step out and to listen. Um, and after we listen, and then we need to embrace, but at the same time also lead these people, young and old, to holiness, lead them to Jesus. And I, I know this is a general question because there's no answer to this, but how can we, as step two, lead? Um, maybe there is that conversation from there, lead them to holiness, lead them to Jesus, lead them to the fullness of, of Christ's love. Well, you know, I would say the same way you would do it with a straight kid. And, <laughs> and that would be introducing them to Jesus, introducing them to the Gospels, introducing them to the sacraments, inviting them to be a part of the community, inviting them to work with the poor and find Jesus there. So I guess that's what I meant before about the, the tendency to focus on sexuality. You know, for a 13 or 14 or 15 or 16-year-old kid, you know, who's coming out or who's gay, the most important thing we we have to uh, introduce him to is Jesus, right? I mean, that 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 supersedes everything. And the same way we would do it with straight kids. And so really on that level, um, when you go to the margins, you find that people are really the same as they are at the center, which is they want to encounter the living God. And that's what the church fundamentally does um, and really needs to do with these kids, especially because they feel often that they don't deserve it, that they're hated and they're excluded and God doesn't love them. And so that's the message we have to bring to them, that God loves them. Absolutely. And uh, even like people um, I encounter and people somehow we tend to define them. They're gay and um, like you don't define person a person by being straight or even divorced or being anything. Um, uh, but at the same time, loving them as human beings, helping them um, see your love for Jesus. And, and as a response, they fall in love with Jesus. So Father James Martin, we thank you so much for being part of this podcast. We thank you so much for um, your your passion to reach out to an outcast community. I know this comes with a lot of opposition and I know this comes with a lot of difficulty, but um, the listeners here and that myself will be praying for you on your journey um, and uh, giving and praying that God will continue to use you to impact the lives of so many people. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome, Robert. Thank you for all that you do for uh, the church's youth. Thank you. God bless. 
Jesus, we thank you for your love for us, that you love us no matter what our thoughts are, no matter what we do, but you call us always to know you more and to love you more authentically. Lord, I just pray for this gift of understanding from the church's perspective that we need to reach out to those who are on the outskirts of our church. But also that those who are against and struggling also feeling alone, that they may understand that the church is their home too. Lord, send your Holy Spirit and guide us and give us your peace. And we ask this and your peace and your blessing upon each and every one of us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Catholic Influences podcast. We really enjoy having you listening and we thank you so much for the feedback. Please continue sending that through. Uh, you can check out on the website, frgministry.com forward slash podcast or any of FRG Ministry's social medias, Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. And we'll be back next week. God bless.